so good. He's so good. Oh, come on. Does anybody know how good God is in this room? Just, he's good. And we praise him and we thank him for all that he's done and is doing. Can anybody in the room tell me that God has done at least one thing good for you this week? Just, just one thing. Right? Just one thing. I mean, I get it. We have things that happen and things that go on. But it, it, can we just focus on that one thing? And then the one thing becomes another and another and another and another. And then we end up realizing that we've lost our focus on all our problems and put our perspectives back on God. Just focus on the one thing. I, I keep hearing that this morning. Is he just wants us to focus on the one thing, which is him. And his word is good and it's true and it, he wants it to be evident to the fullness in our lives. And I know that in the last several weeks, God has just been stirring up our hearts from flipping focuses to saying, hey, I'm not going to focus on that. And I'm telling you, he's been giving it to us so that we would create a continuance of it. You know, you can lose your focus real quick, right? Right? If you can see my feet, I know like I'm short, I get it, and my feet are small. But if you can see my feet, I, I was telling the worship team that, that if we would realize how much God is trying to get us in a position where we would understand that just doing this gets us out of our focus. Just one simple movement. I didn't even pick up my heel. I just pivoted. One foot, one foot, when it pivots just ever so slightly. It's not that you're not still in God. It's not that you're not still trying to do what you need to do. But sometimes we have to reposition and pivot ourselves back into where God is the pivotal point. And I, I believe that he's calling us to more. I've said it more and more. I will continue to say it, that there is more in 2024, but God is asking more of us. How many of you feel and have felt that God is asking more of you? I don't think we should ever not feel that. In all honesty, I'm just saying that's my personal opinion because I think when we don't feel like God is asking more, that's the place where trouble begins. Because then we think we got it all in order and can handle it. And that's where stagnancy and complacency comes. And God's wanting to deal with our hearts in that. He's talking to us about flipping our focus. And then from last week, we talked about God wants to, you know, flip us inside out. He wants to change all our thoughts and all of our perspectives. He wants us to live, you know, in God. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Meaning that just because God comes into your heart, that's great. But then you have to position yourself in Christ. That's what I was saying in the illustration about my feet. My feet have to be grounded in Christ. Not just him and me and him conforming to my will and conforming to my ways. Because that's just flesh. And Christ cannot conform to flesh. It doesn't work that way. Our lives are meant to conform to God. And I believe that he is trying to take every fine tooth detail. Because I'm telling you, the details matter. The small things matter. And what he's trying to get you to understand in your life today is you have to pay attention to the small things. The word of God says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The little things. The little things. 
See, you can look and be like, oh, I messed up big time and that's why. No, it's the little things that you allow. It's the little things that God can come in and move. It's those small compromises that, that, that the enemy comes in and shifts you. The little things. And whether we realize it or not, all of our lives have been based off of conditional terms or phrases. And a lot of these phrases in our lives contain the word if. If. The word if means in the event that, allowing that, on the assumption that, on the condition that, whether or not. It means it's a conjunction that introduces possible or unreal situations or conditions and the results. Let's give some examples from back at the time we were kids, right? When we were growing up, you know, if conversations, if statements, until all the way now that we've become grown adults, right? And some of us, just because we grown, we ain't grown. We need to become grown in here. Let's, I want to give you some examples. You will get an allowance if you do your chores. You will be grounded if you do not bring your grades up. You can hang out with your friends if you clean your room. You will be able to make better grades if you slow down and do your work. You can get, this is all the way from kids to being grown. You can get a scholarship if you have good grades and meet the following criteria. You will get a raise if you work hard and put in the right number of hours. You will have better opportunities in the job force if you get a degree or learn a trade. You can't drive legally if you don't have insurance. Your lights and water will get shut off if you don't pay your bills. You will feel better if you eat right, exercise, and take care of your body properly. You will live a hard life if you always choose to do things the hard way. Your relationships would be better if you took the time to think more for others than yourself. You will feel better if you rest. You will feel less weight on your shoulders if you just let go. All these statements start will with you will if you. You will only if you do something about it. And there are so many more statements we could say that have the ifs in them. But if we don't realize that our lives are determined on the direction our ifs take us. Did you hear me? Our lives are determined on the direction that our ifs take us. If I do or if I don't matters. If I do or if I don't matters. What's crazy is how one small word can have such a big impact in our lives. It's the little things. Can you, can you just say that? It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the ifs in your life. And the title of this message is If in Fact. If in Fact. See, you can say that you flipped your focus. You can say that you placed yourself in Christ. But these two statements hold little value if you don't live a life of follow through by the Spirit of God. You can say it. You can go through your weeks and say, I'm flipping my focus. I'm going to change my, my focus and I'm going to position myself in Christ. 
But those statements, they are determined by if you do what Christ is asking you to in those positions. It's basic things. My focus, I'm in. And if I do what Christ is asking, that, that's where change truly takes place. I want to read with you in Romans 8, 1 through 2, and then I'm going to go to verses 9 through 11. Paul writes this. He says, there is therefore now no condemnations for those who are what? In Christ. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ. Let's say it again. For the law of the spirit has, of life has set you free in Christ. Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 9. You, however, are not, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact. If in fact. Dot, dot, dot. What's he say? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Say it with me. If in fact. Let's say it. If in fact. The word if is very interesting. It is one of the most important words in the Bible because it speaks directly to our responsibility to God. Most promises in the Bible have conditions. And the word if speaks to those conditions. Our responses to God's command affect our relationship with him and determine our receiving from him. The word if is used 574 times in the Bible, and over half of these are found in the first four Gospels. Do you realize that the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, during that time, that's when Christ was coming to just show who he was in the simple way that's where a lot of the parables are told where Christ was teaching people, the Gentiles, the Jews, everyone, it was possible to follow him. And these were the things that needed to do. But if you wanted to follow Christ, you had to do certain things. The word if was always used in accordance to man's response to God and his will for their lives. When Paul wrote the statement, if in fact, in verse 9, he was making a big statement here. The statement, if in fact, actually shows doubt and hesitance to the statement made right before it. What's happening here is Paul is speaking. And he's trying to tell them how to live by the Spirit. After you're in Christ, how do you live by the Spirit of God? And he says that, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And then he stops and he says, if in fact. 
And he says it in doubt and hesitation because he understood and realized at that point that you can say the Spirit of God is in you, but if your life does not show it, then it makes that statement null and void. He was challenging them to say, hey, I know you've made this decision. I know you say you serve Christ. I know you say you love Christ and you are in him. But that will only be seen if, in fact, you follow his ways. The fact is that doubt comes when follow-through is inexistent. Doubt only comes when follow-through is inexistent. Most of the time, you won't doubt somebody if you know they will hold their word and be where they need to be, right? Let's go to the simple fact of time. When you give somebody a time to meet you somewhere, there are certain people in your lives that you're going to say, if in fact, they can show up on time. Right? And then there are other people you can say, I'm going to meet them at such and such time, period. I know they're going to be there. Right? Right? Car dealerships, things like that, when you go to them to buy a car, they can tell you all these things if, in fact, the car actually works and has the value that they're saying to you, right? You know, post hesitance and doubt. And I, I want to ask you a question. Are you a person that the statement, if, in fact, has to follow you? Because you lack the opportunity and the ability to follow through with the truth of your word. See, I know that every bit of this, I, I don't have to say if in fact to. It is a fact. Actually, I can say as a matter of fact, God says. But, but I want to ask you, can people say that about you? Can they say as a matter of fact, I know. My, I'll put my name in it just to put Jen will show up when she says. I know Jen will take care of that when she says. Actually, I know I don't even have to ask because I know her ability to follow through. I, what I'm saying, I'll put me on blast because I'm not trying to bust anybody out right here. What I'm saying is we are all on blasting God. Can God say to me, I know in fact that Jen is going to meet me in the morning. I know in fact Jen is going to meet me in the afternoon. I know in fact Jen is going to meet me in the evening. Can God say that? In fact. Or does if in fact follow you everywhere you go? If in fact. See here Paul is showing that if we don't follow through by receiving and accepting the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to keep us from the fleshly desires, we will live a life separate from Christ. When we position ourselves in Christ, our ifs determine our condition, our consequences, and our proximity to him. When we position ourselves in Christ, our ifs determine our condition, consequences, and our proximity to him. How close you are to God will be determined by if you choose to get close to him. If it's the little things. Somebody say it again with me. It's the little things. You ever been, like for me, Brandon knows this. He knows that it's the little things for me. When we first got married, on one of our Valentine's Days, 
he wrote me this whole poem and he had it put in a picture frame and then he gave me this necklace. It was beautiful, it was a beautiful necklace. But like a month went by or so and he's like, well, what happened to that necklace? And what happened to, you know, what you did with it? I haven't seen you wear it. And I was like, well, I really don't know where it's at. I was being honest because I put it in a drawer, I think when we were moving and I couldn't find it after that. But you know what I did find? The poem that he wrote that was framed in the picture because to me, I, I don't need all that stuff. It's the little things. It's the little things that you took time to write something specifically for me out of the utmost part of love from your heart. It's those little things. You know, when you wake up and you receive like a little note on the table that's in a post-it note that says, or on your mirror, I love you. Yeah, come on, married people in the room. And seriously, is it not the little things that matter? When maybe you just get out of nowhere because your spouse is at work and they get a time on their break and they can't really talk because they know you're working too, but maybe they just send you a small love you. It is, it's just the little things. But after a while in that relationship that you are in, even as friends, you don't communicate, you don't send things, you don't worry about the little things, and all you want to do is show up and show out on the big holidays that are already calendared for you, and like Valentine's Day or Christmas or somebody's birthday or your anniversary. That's the only time that you choose to be communicative and show your love I'm telling you what, if you do that, it ain't going to work real well. See, God's, God's past the time of big events. He's past the time of you waiting just for some big moment for you to come meet him and say, you know, if you do this, God, I will. No, he's saying, if you do this, then I will do this for you. See, from the moment we give our lives to Christ, we are also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not so we can just speak in tongues, but so that we can have the power to live as God desires. It's not so we can just, that's a gift. Do you hear me? Speaking in tongues, it's a gift off of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we confuse that. You know, right when I give my heart to the Lord, then if I don't speak in tongues, I don't have the spirit of God. That is absolutely false. Because when you give your lives to God, you are filled with the spirit that gives you power so that you can live for God. And then from that, as you serve him and live for him, then that those gifts of tongues and all that stuff begins to come on top of it because you accepted that power and then it begins to overflow. We have got to come to a place where we realize that the condition of my relationship with Christ is my responsibility and based on if I want to activate the Holy Spirit and his role in my life or if I don't. See, the Holy Spirit's given to me, but if I don't activate him, if I don't use him, then he will lie dormant in my life. It's like, you know, that necklace that I said that just was lost, I couldn't find it? Because it, it, it wasn't as valuable to me. I'm not saying that I don't care. What I'm saying is what you place value in is what you're going to use and show off and want to be a part of in your life. 
The power of the Holy Spirit cannot be viewed as a spiritual light switch that sends some spiritual electric current to you only when you choose to flip the switch on and then turn it off again. See, a lot of times, you got that light, that uh, remote for the lights. It's number four on the remote that holds everything. I don't want you to hit Christy. Thank you. So a lot of times, you can click them off. But a lot of times when we get in a situation, oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, this and oh, God, that. Or, man, that, you know, that service was really good. What happens? It goes, oh, I feel the presence and the spirit. But then you walk out the door and it goes, oh, I'm going to get in my jams and, oh, I'm sorry, every other word that comes out of my mouth is a cuss word because I left the Spirit of God inside. Or I'm going to yell at my kids or I'm going to be frustrated all day about everything that happens because, you know, if the Chiefs don't win, it ruins my life. <laughs> we laugh, but people live like that. I get excited and I love the game, but I don't love anything like that more than I love God. And that doesn't determine, because guess what? I don't get paid from them. It's not like I'm hooked up with Patrick Mahomes and every time he makes a touchdown and goes home and he gets paid so much million of dollars that a check's wrote to me because I'm excited for him. He's not my source. That's not where I get it from. But there are so many people, I'm sorry, sitting and crying and boo-hooing. I mean, listen. You got to get your priorities straight. Oh, wait, wait. I'm going to come to God and he just his presence falls and it just fell on me. I can't wait to get to worship and the spirit is just. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. Then I get up on Monday morning and I hate my job. Can you kids just get up on time for one moment? Can I just have one day? Can we just not argue? Get your stuff together. Put your things in order. Do this. Do that. These stupid dogs. We laugh, but it's the little things. It's the little things. God's wanting us to catch things so that when we get up, he's already on. When we go to bed, he's already on. When we go through our day, he's already on. And with that when we say something, he's already on. See, right now, when those light switches are on right now, even though they're, they're see, you got to get it. There is a continual current that is moving in power but when those lights go off it cuts the power now the current is still plugged into it and that current is still moving but it has no existence in your life because you are not using it the pro problem of it is is you are plugged into the current but you are wasting it you're wasting the power you're wasting it if in fact you would just keep it on, he would be with you at all times. See, God wants to go in your life from, well, if in fact I turn the lights on, maybe it might work. 
No, he wants you to turn it on. That the fact of the matter is, is that we have lights. We have power. The fact of the matter is God is the light of my life and the Holy Spirit is my power. And when I activate him on an everyday and I keep the current continual, not just plugged in, but I keep it moving and useful and use it, then I can be a matter of fact about my Christianity to the world. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. I love you all. The fact is, is that I choose to spend time with God. I choose that he's important to me. I choose to communicate with him. You know what's funny is last week I talked about the little things and how even God hears your thoughts at the end. And I mentioned about the kids and I mentioned about the parking lot and how God's been doing little things. And you know what's crazy this morning? Do you see this pen? This morning I was talking to Christy Day right here and, and Sheila Hall came up to me. She was just standing there. But she didn't hear me right as she had come up and walked up to me. All I did was I looked at Crispy. Chris, crispy. Everybody focus. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. When I was talking to Christy, and I, we were talking about some stuff and writing down announcements, and she, I was trying to write something down, and I said, oh, man, I don't have a pen. I need a pen. Sheila stood right there, and she said, here's this for you, queen, and it had a pen. It's just a pen. All she did was come and hand me a pen. What I'm trying to say is when... <laughs> You may think that's stupid, but to me it's not stupid because the fact of the matter is is that God even cared in a little bit that I needed a pin at that very moment. Instead of me having to search and search and search for it, he already said, well, seek me and you shall find. And knock on the doors will be open. Even if it's something that simple, the little things matter. So here's a pin. It's just the little things. And Christy said, she goes, Sheila, you didn't know, but she just asked me for a pin. It's the little things. And I like this pen, by the way. And you know what's even more funny? Is God knows I'm picky about how my pen's right. And this writes real smooth. <laughs> because I have learned that God cares about the little things. And because of that, it's made me want to know him even more. Because I'm getting excited about opening these little gifts that keep coming. And not because God keeps giving me gifts, but like I'm like... For real, God, you keep freaking me out because this is so cool. Like, you just are, like, now I feel that Christ and I are having literal conversation in the real world time. And it's powerful. And that's what God wants to do. But guess what? It won't happen if your current isn't plugged in. And often too many of you put Christ on mute. I'm sorry, Mark. Oh, wait, you didn't hear what I said? Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't plugged into the source. Oh, wait, what I was saying was 
that, you know, when my life isn't on mute, then everybody can hear what I'm saying and my life actually is an example to Christ. To other, of Christ to others, but when my life is on mute, I think I'm living a life of Christianity and what Christ so calls being a Christian for him, when guess what? Ain't nobody can hear it because it's not the truth. But if, oh, if I turn it on and I keep it on and I keep plugged in to the source, Come on, guys. It's so simple. I'm trying to give you how to live for Christ. So simple in your life. What I'm trying to tell you is it's just like taking a hair dryer and saying, oh, this works. This isn't working to dry my hair. This isn't working to do what I am. Well, number one, you need to focus on what you're doing and get your attention to the proper priorities and look down and say, oh, I have a plug. And it needs to be plugged in to the wall. And in order for it to work, it has to stay into the wall. Christ is that simple. Can, can I tell you what makes me so mad? Is the idiocracies that happen in our world when I believe that if you are made in Christ's image, you are not an idiot. So please quit acting like one. You are made in the image of Jesus Christ. Which means you have the mind of Christ when he came into you. Which means you are clear and smart and precise and can have wisdom to do your daily tasks. Quit dumbing yourself down in the world. It takes placing all of your attentions, your thoughts, your energies and values on God and his kingdom matters to keep the current going. Your ifs determine the value you place on God in your life. There are three categories of people talked about in the Bible. Three. Number one are those who do not have a personal relationship with God and follow their flesh and go their own way. Okay? That's number one. Number two are those who have accepted Christ's forgiveness they live in a personal relationship with him and are completely submitted to him by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the ways of the flesh and the world around them. Number three, there's those who believe in and have not rejected God, but serve God out of if it is convenient for them at the time. They still follow their own desires and often compromise with activities that expose them to more, more to worldly living than to living by the Spirit. The term for these is worldly Christians. You know, simplicity is, you know, Christ, being a Christian, begins with the word Christ. And, you know, if you live in Christ, there's nothing before Christ. It's just... Christ, Christian. When I was growing up, you know, it was just I am a C, I'm a CH, I'm a CHRISTIAN, and I have CHRISTMHERT, and I will LIVETERNALOY. That was really fast. I'm a Christian, okay? And when I live in Him, I will live eternally. You know what I'm saying? That's what that song was saying. But I didn't see anything. I am a W. I am a W. I am a W O R L D Y. 
it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't say worldly, you know, you can be this type of Christian or you can be that type. No, I just, I'm a Christ follower, Christian. If you're not careful, your ifs will place you on the fence in your relationship with Christ. This will affect not only you inwardly, but those around you outwardly. Now, I want you to hear this. We make a joke of our relationship with God when we live a life that says, if I do it once, I won't go to hell over it. If I do it right now, I can ask for forgiveness later. Better to ask forgiveness than permission. If God really loves me, he'll forgive me. If that is the way you live in your Christian walk, you are making a mockery of God. You are taking everything he's done with you and throwing it out the window and placing your own doctrine within it. You know what God said to me? He said, you better be careful playing with the power that you don't fully understand. There's one if statement that I know to be true. And it's if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And this holds saying spiritually. And my ifs determine the fire I place myself in. The fire of hell or the fire of the spirit. One or the other. One being eternal damnation and the other eternal life. One that destroys and one that delivers. One that rebels and one that refines. Your if determines the fire that you put yourself into. And guess what? Yeah, the enemy has been given authority over this earth. So guess what? When you place yourself in a, in a life of Christianity, that your ifs are if I just do this once. Or God will, will forgive me if I can ask for forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? When you live just like that to do whatever you want to please, you are placing yourself under a power that you have no idea how much is destroying you. And then the other fact, you are denying a power that you have no idea how powerful it is to complete you. There is a direct distinction between these three categories of people in the Bible. For the first Christian, or the first non-believer, these are the ones who don't have a personal relationship with God and don't want one. They, they just don't want one. Christ is not even an option. They have determined their ifs in life to be fully directed by flesh and its desires. Romans 8, 7 through 8 says it this way. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The first category of people talked about in the Bible are the ones who do not care. And when it says they are hostile to God, do we not see that in the world around us? For the second category, they realize their sinful nature cannot be made good and it must be put to death spiritually. Galatians 5:24 in the NLT says it this way. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed this is so good. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Their ifs are definite 
and willful choices to remove from their lives anything that compromises their relationship with God. They have a disciplined life. They have a disciplined life that wars against the sinful nature and will put it to death daily. Romans 8, 12 through 17 says it this way. So, dear brothers, you have no obligations whatever to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you to do. For if you keep, for, what's the word? If, for if you keep on following it, you are lost and will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it and its evil deeds, you shall live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves, but we should behave like God's very own children, adopted into the bosom of his family and calling to him, Father, Father. For this Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are really God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures for all God gives to his son, Jesus, is now ours too. But if we are to share, but what? But, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Don't you see the cycle? Don't you see what's created when you choose to follow through your life by living with the spirit of God? And what's crazy is everything in that scripture spoke everything we spoke about the last couple weeks. If you choose to live a life by the Spirit, it causes you to continue to flip your focus. It causes you to continue to live inside out. And it causes you to create a cycle of ifs that leads you to constant relationship with Christ. And you know what that leads you to? Life. And life more abundantly. If you feel that you are living in a place that... It doesn't feel full of life. You have to check the ifs in your life. You have to check what the condition of your life is based on because you bowed to the ifs. You are more worried about, God, I will do this if you bless me. I will do this if you help me pay my bills. I will do this if, God, you take all these people in my life away from me that just annoy me. I will do... I never realized anything in life where the creator who created something was made to be looked at as if he were the one to be managed. As if he were the one that we determine how he moves and what he does. And so then we get butt hurt, and I said that, yes, butt hurt. We get upset because God disciplines us and gives us a whooping. You know, some of us need to bring back good old-fashioned whoopings, and some of you need it in the spirit. Discipline is good. It's good in your life. And if Jesus Christ comes to give you a whooping, you can grab your behind. That's fine, but sit down and listen. Don't walk away, like I said, all butthurt, where you don't even fulfill what God's doing because you're so mad at what he told you he didn't like instead of hearing the whole story of what he loved and liked about you. 
never have a relationship with anything because every relationship in your life is dependent on if you are, are happy, if you are in control, if you are the one who, you have to stop. Number three, for the third category of people talked about in the Bible, they don't make the required effort to fully overcome the sinful nature. They allow their ifs to be based on what suits them for the moment. I'm telling you right now, this is where Christianity in the world is right now. And God is trying, I'm telling you, you in this room, all of us in this room better hear what God is trying to tell us so that we can separate fully from the world and live a life of Christianity that is a light. When the darkness is getting darker, we need to be getting brighter, not consuming and controlling and comforting to that. We, that's not what it is. We're not conformed to this world. God wants to transform your mind. See, they allow their ifs to be based on what suits them for the moment. If I want to do what the world does, I can. And if I want to do what God does, I can. Their ifs are not set on resistance and consistency, but instead on instance and compromise. Their ifs are not based on resisting and staying consistent. They're more based on, well... In this instant, I can compromise. That means if this instance requires me to compromise, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'll live how I want right now. God will forgive me. I'm not even thinking about what everybody else on the outside sees of who I proclaim God. I just want to do what I want. Doesn't matter. If it calls me to compromise right now, I'm okay with it. The sad part about this category is that most live this lifestyle without even knowing it. They don't know it. This is the scariest group to be a part of because sin and rebellion. Listen to me. This is the scariest group to be a part of because sin and rebellion don't fully control their lives, but neither does God. They believe in God, and they haven't really fully tried to separate themselves from God. They, they say that they trust in him, they love him, but in reality, their life is not controlled by anything but their own will. This is the place where growth stops and slow death creeps in. This is the place where immaturity breeds comfortability. And comfortability keeps you in a state of infancy with Christ. And, and, and in all honesty, I'm okay with that baby crying. You want to know why? Because that's what we sound like. That's what we sound like. When something doesn't go our way, see, when you're a baby, you're very dependent on what you need and you will cry till you get it. Now, this little baby, she's not a distraction to me. That's just a mama trying to take care of her child. But in the reality of it, how many of you are distracting the world because you're too busy crying instead of applying the word of God? You're too busy worrying about what suits you. 1 Corinthians, says three, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4 says, 
Dear brothers, I have been talking to you as though you were still just babies and in the Christian life who are not following the Lord, but your own desires. I cannot talk to you as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. I have to feed you with the milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now still have to be fed on milk. For you are still only baby Christians controlled by your own desires, not God's. When you are jealous of one another and divide it up in quarreling groups, doesn't that prove to you you're still babies and wanting your own way? In fact, you are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord at all. Period. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when I get done here today, I don't want milk. I don't even like milk. And number two, I'm allergic to milk. I don't want it. That don't even sound good to me. Like, I just want a glass. No, I want food. Like, I want meat. I want something like a veggie. I want something. I want a starch. I want food. And I want something that fills me up, especially after preaching, because y'all don't realize it, but this is work. And I need something to refill me. And I want to eat. But the fact of it is, is that we, we, you know, in here, we come in here and you say you want to eat, but the lifestyle that you live doesn't give you the ability to con- take the consistency of the food that God wants to give you. So you're still stuck on the bottle and you're complaining about the milk when God has a meal prepared for you, but it's up to you if you choose. If. This isn't about how long you've served God. And I want to say that right now. It's not about how long you've served God. This is about your lack of response to God. I don't care how long you've served God. God is not about the numbers. He's about souls. He's about your life. You can say you've served God for 20 years, but have you? Does your lifestyle make you any different than the one who just gave their heart to the Lord? Why do we compare? You want to know why? That means we don't get held accountable for our ifs. It's easier to compare to somebody else and say, well, I've served longer or I've done this or God, I've moved in this area. And man, they just gave their heart to the Lord. But look at what. No, that's not what God's saying. God wants to know, does your life live in response to me in your lifestyle? Do your ifs live in response to me in your lifestyle? God, I'm telling you, he's trying to set order to the church. And he's trying to tell them that if you would stop compromising, I could fully come in. You could be the person who has, quote, served God their whole life, but your ifs have led you to a place of comfortability and immaturity. This is a place where worldly Christians must realize that they are in danger of losing their faith if they are unwilling to turn from all that displeases God. The level of my maturity is based on the level of my conformity. 
whether to the world or to God. The level of my maturity is based on the level of my conformity, whether to the world or to God. And that's why I said, you are not created to be idiots. But when we conform to what the world does, it does not make sense. It does not follow with the form of, that the creator has made you to be. That's like having a baby doll given to a kid that barks and a baby doll given to a kid that stinking cries like a human. That doesn't make sense as in toys. What God's done is he's created you as children of God. And the fact of it is, is that you begin talking like the world, which dumps God down to the rest of everybody else because you don't live the way he created you to be. That's like, you remember the movie at Christmas time? The old Rudolph movie, and he goes to the land of misfit toys, and he's like, nobody wants a Charlie in the box. <laughs> you know what? That's because he was made by a creator who did not care. That is not you in your case. You cannot blame the way that you work mechanically on how God formed you. Stop it. The reason that you don't work properly as a Christian is because you have conformed to the way that the master of this world has chosen you to be and you are being puppeted and you need to stop. You ever seen the movie Pinocchio? There you go. Stop telling yourself lies. Come back home to the Father. Ooh. Romans 6, 14 through 16 says, Sin need never again be your master. For now you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you. But you are free under God's favor and mercy. I need you to listen to this. I don't, I don't even care if it's on the screen. It can just go blank. I don't even care. Romans 6, 14 again. Let's say it again. Sin need never again to be your master. For now you are no longer tied to the law where sin enslaves you, but you are free under God's favor and mercy. Does this mean that now we can go ahead and sin and not worry about it? For our, this is scripture. This is not me. These are not my notes. For our salvation does not depend on keeping the law, but on receiving God's grace. Of course not. Listen, I'm going to say it again. You don't even have to find it, Christy. It's really okay. We can just shut that off. I, I'm, I'm good with it. Just listen to me. Does this mean that now we can go ahead and sin and not worry about it? For our salvation does not depend on keeping the law, but on receiving God's grace, right? God's grace. His grace will cover it. Of course not. Don't you realize that you can choose your own master? You can choose sin with death or else obedience with acquittal. The one to whom you offer yourself, he will take you and be your master and you will be his slave. The one you offer yourself to will be your master. And what's funny is we don't realize that the enemy is pulling on your strings. And what's funny is it's the little things. It's those little the little jolts, you know, when the arm just, it's a little. I didn't move my whole body. Oh, but the enemy moved my arm to do something that didn't need to be done. He moved my foot 
to do something that didn't need to be done because I have not fully offered myself to the master, Jesus Christ. This takes us back to the beginning where Paul pretty much questions the believer by saying, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, if in fact... The only way to know the true answer to this question is if we are willing to look deep inside and ask God to separate us from anything that is causing the condition of our hearts and minds to not be led by him. And to accept the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us by the power of God. The Spirit of God can only dwell in you if you make space for him. The word dwell in the Bible means sit down. The word dwell in the Bible means sit down, settle, remain, and inhabit. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not, do you not know that you are God's temple? And that the spirit, that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Hold on. I'm going to say that again. Do you not know? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. I believe God's trying to take us to a place, take us from the place of immaturity to the place of maturity in him. Look at the statement. That's like a parent looking at a kid and being like, did you not hear what I said? How many times did I say it? Three. Then why'd you do it? I don't know. Well, because, and you know, I was, and you know, no, did you not hear what I said? How many times did I say it? Three. You want three swats? The fact of it is, is God's asking you, do you not know? Did you not hear me? See, what's sad is immaturity says, I didn't know, but maturity says, I know better. Immaturity says, well, I didn't know. Lie. I didn't know. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. I didn't know. But maturity says, I know better than that. I know better. I know, I know how to live better, and I know what God's asking of me. And I can't use the excuse of I didn't know because that's not the truth. Because if I truly say that I'm Christ's follower, then guess what? I follow the fact, which is the word of God. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in me. To desire maturity is to desire God to bring you into fullness and fully develop you. The word if speaks directly to your responsibility to God. If I do or if I don't truly matters. And the fact of the matter is the life I live is seen as the direct response to who God is in my life. The fact of the matter. Listen to me. It's right here. 
The fact of the matter is the life I live is seen as the direct response to God in my daily life. And this is the question. Why don't you stand with me this morning? This is a challenge to you today. It's a challenge to you today. And you know what's funny is I was asking God, how do you want me to end this? I was like, do you want us to end and worship God and come up and bring our ifs to the altar? And he said, they've already done that. They bring their ifs to the altar. But the matter of fact isn't if they do it here or not. It's what they do out there. See, what you do right in here, it makes the change. And you can say that you love God and want to serve him and do something. But if you don't live it out there, everything you do in here is no. And God's wanting to challenge you because he's wanting to separate you. We said it. There's more and more, more in 2024, but the more that God is asking of you, the more is required. This is the challenge to you. You know, I, I've heard us say, even to our kids, would you, would you do that if God was in the room? Like if God was right next to you, sitting right next to you, would you do that? Would you talk like that? Would you have that music on? Would you listen to that? Would you watch that? You know what I'm saying? Like if, you know, in your own home and the way that you live or on your phone and the way that you live or on your computer and the way that you live or in your own room when all the doors are shut in the dark and the way that you live and with your other friends and the way that you live, if God was sitting with you and hanging out with you, would you do that? Would you do those things? Would you take God with you to where you're going? Or would you be like, no. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want God to. You know what, God? What, what do you want to do? And this is the challenge. If you wouldn't do it with God right next to you, why do it with God in you? If you wouldn't do it with God right next to you, why would you do it with God living in you? If you know it doesn't please him, then if he lives in you, why would you do it anyways? Your excuses do not make a difference to God. But it's an open heart that's humble and contrite before him that's willing to be poured out every day. That's willing to be challenged every day. And if you are the type of God's child that does not like to be challenged because it makes you feel more rebellious because I know better and I do better and why would you challenge me like that and you live life offended all the time you're going to have a hard time with your ifs but when you lay your life down to God and you truly say I want to be in him guess what happens you put all those things aside and you're not upset when God comes to you and says hey if you would just tweak that right there I, I you can hear me better I could be a little closer to you in this area. If you would just come and speak with me today, 
just a little bit. I don't even care if it's just in your car and you have the Bible app playing to you. If you, if you, instead of the music that you know is not right, and I live in you, and man, I don't like what you have listening to. That, that really actually is bothering my ears. If you just take those moments, God wants to move and do something in you. Because if, in fact, God lives in me, then who is the God that others see on the outside of me? If you wouldn't do it with God right next to you, why would you do it with God in you? That's the challenge to you today. They're going to sing in worship. They're going to get in and just get in. If you want to spend some time in the altar, you know God wants to challenge you, that is totally fine. You can come in and you can do that and spend a few moments. If you don't, that's up to you. Guess what? I'm not offended because your relationship with God is not dependent on what I do. It's dependent on what you do. And I am not here to judge you. you it's all about what you do. You know by the way the Spirit of God begins to speak to you. That's just what it is. God wants to move in you. And you have to ask yourself, am I the one that after a statement, somebody hears my name and they start talking about serving God, am I the one that they can say, if in fact, do they really? Does their lifestyle show it? I'm going to pray over you. Don't forget as you leave to pick up one of the flyers that has the card on it that looks like this back at the round table so you can uh, buy a rose for your love or your friend. I don't care if it's your parent. I don't care if it's your sister, your brother, whatever you want to do. These are available for you um, at the round table. But most of all, remember that our lives as Christians are to be lived as matter of fact, not if in fact our lives show it. God, we thank you today. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you, God, that we choose to focus on you. We thank you, God, that you come into our lives and you want to make a difference in us. Thank you for challenging us. Not everything that you speak to us has to be candy and roses and candy-coated, God. We want the truth. Because I want to live by the truth. And in order to do so, I have to be willing to hear it. God, I pray we would lay compromise to the side. God, that we would truly war for the death of the flesh in our lives every day. And we would choose to lock eyes with you and focus on who you are. We love you, God. You're worthy. For you deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise. Help my spirit to know if I wouldn't do it with you next to me, I surely don't want to do it with you in me. In Jesus' name.